This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 71. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place mr hollywood himself presents the before the millions podcast and now your host deray olalaye hey what's up what's going on btm tribe back for another episode another installment of the before the millions podcast guys and today i'm super excited for this show i'm super excited for our tip of the week everything we have going on i mean i am back in the humble state of texas and I'm here for the first half of the week. And then I think Thursday, I'll be flying to Tennessee, more specifically Nashville, Brentwood, you know, that area. Actually, I have a conference to go to in Franklin, Tennessee. And Brentwood is like the home of my favorite taco spot. I forget the name of the spot. Otherwise, I would plug it. But man, tacos are amazing. Anyways, you know, this is one of the few shows. And I think this is why a lot of you guys love this show is that this is one of the few shows where we openly and honestly talk about money. You know, that taboo stuff, that gray area, that thing that you're supposed to whisper, the thing that you're supposed to be modest about, the thing that's rude to speak on in public, at the dinner table, so on and so forth. You know, a lot of us were just like, I just need some more cash. If only I had a little bit more money, if only I I was a little bit more wealthier, I'd be able to do this, that, and the third. And it's funny because we get raises every year. And when we get those raises... As much as they may be satisfying in the short term, they're never satisfying in the long term. Yeah, well, that's not enough. Yeah, I thought my bonus was going to be bigger than that. It didn't really put it down in my student loans. I'm really waiting for next year's raise because I got a full raise next year. And we find ourselves on this hamster wheel. And a lot of us, we're not ever able to get to that set goal, to that set amount. And even if we ever get to that specific number that we want, we'll just turn around and want more because it'll not be enough. I believe that this conundrum starts with our beliefs on money and what money is and financial literacy. So in the tip of the week of this show, I will be sharing with you guys, or rather Jason Bateman, who's Marty Bird on the hit show, the hit Netflix show, Ozark, will be sharing with you guys what money actually is. Now, I've covered this a few times on previous episodes, but I want you guys to hear it from a different perspective, set in a different way, given in a different light. Now, on this show, Jason is a financial planner who turns into a money laundering cartel employee, basically. And if you haven't already watched the show, definitely need to watch it. If you have, then you're probably done with season two, which was the most recent season and you're waiting for season three. In any scenario, on today's show, we are speaking with Mr. Larry Goins. Larry's a full-time real estate investor, guys. And we're going to talk a lot about day trading, day trading real estate more specifically. 
which I was able to give Larry a hard time on the show and really realize that it's just a synonym for wholesaling. And it's one of the best, if not the quickest way to get started down your real estate investing journey. And you can do this, guys, without buying any property, without having much of any cash. In fact, it's one of the first things I teach my clients. You know, when you enter a real estate dealing, you need multiple tools in your toolbox. And if you don't have the wholesaling tool in your toolbox, you're leaving a lot of business on the table. So again, today with Larry, you guys, we're going to talk about day trading, real estate. We're going to talk about how you can get started doing this, why you should get started doing this. And we're going to talk about Larry's experiences and how he's been able to benefit from a location independent lifestyle business. Without any further ado, let's get to the show. DeRay's tip of the week. Why is it that a rich man and a poor man can trade places and within just a few short years of them trading places and wealth and status and everything that each individual and their respective right returns back to exactly who they were before they traded places. So the rich man that became poor, he went back to being rich. And the poor man that became rich went back to being poor. We often hear of these stories and these cases with lottery winners. 70% of lottery winners go broke or bankrupt. Whereas the rich people that go broke or bankrupt find a way to get right back to where they were, if not supersede their previous accomplishments. So that begs the question, what are your views on the subject? What are your views about money? What are your views about being rich? What are your views about financial literacy? What does value mean to you? Now, I have an opinion, and my opinion is best covered randomly on the intro to the Netflix popular show, Ozark. So episode one and season one, the intro of that episode for about the first two minutes, the narrator is going to cover what money is. So I'm going to play that for you guys here now shortly. But first, I want you guys to imagine, to think about your definition of money and if that definition is serving you or if that definition is hindering you. And also think about if maybe you need to change your definition or explore new definitions and weigh them against your own. Or maybe you feel you need to go acquire financial literacy. For some of us, what we've been doing is not working and it's evident. So in order to get somewhere new, you have to try something new. So if that means stepping outside of your comfort zone, then you may have to do that. But that starts with an open mind. So let me play season one, episode one, the intro of Ozark, so that the narrator can break down what money is. And then we'll get to the show. Scratch. Wampum. Dough. Sugar. Clams. Loot. Bills. Bones. Bread. Bucks. Money. That which separates the haves from the have-nots. But what is money? It's everything if you don't have it, right? Half of all American adults have more credit card debt than savings. 25% have no savings at all. And only 15% of the population is on track to fund even one year of retirement. Suggesting why? The middle class is evaporating or the American dream is dead. You wouldn't be sitting there listening to me if the latter were true. You see, I think most people just have a fundamentally flawed view of money. Is it simply an agreed-upon unit of exchange for goods and services? $3.70 for a gallon of milk? $30 bucks to cut your grass? Or is it an intangible? Security or happiness? Peace of mind? Let me propose a third option. 
money as a measuring device. You see, the hard reality is how much money we accumulate in life is not a function of who's president or the economy or bubbles bursting or bad breaks or bosses. It's about the American work ethic, the one that made us the greatest country on earth. It's about bucking the media's opinion as to what constitutes a good parent, deciding to miss the ball game, the play, the concert, because you've resolved to work and invest in your family's future and taking responsibility for the consequences of those actions. Patience, frugality, sacrifice. When you boil it down, what do those three things have in common? Those are choices. Money is not peace of mind. Money is not happiness. Money is, at its essence, that measure of a man's choices. And now, your feature presentation. Hey, Larry, how's it going? What's going on, buddy? How you been? Doing pretty well, Larry. And again, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think we have a lot to discuss in terms of real estate. I mean, you've been in the game for about 30 years or maybe a little bit over 30 years. We like to draw on your experience. We want to take it back on the time machine and then maybe your first foray into real estate and why it was so appealing to you at the time. Sure, man. Sure. I'll be glad to. Well, first of all, there were no college days for me. I never went to college. Imagine that. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, right out of high school, I started reading books on real estate investing and a lot of different books on real estate investing. And I went to some seminars, some preview seminars. I signed up for a three-day seminar. I eventually got my license in real estate. I eventually got my contractor's license. And my very first real estate deal, believe it or not, was an FHA non-qualifying assumable loan Yes, you used to be able to assume FHA loans without even qualifying. You just had to sign your name, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But yeah, that was my first deal. You know, I just kind of grew from there and, and I've always had a hunger for knowledge. I'm not a very academic person. I'm not very good with the classroom setting and tests and things like that. Although I do have my contractor's license, real estate license. I've had my series seven and and 24 securities license in the past. But, you know, I don't learn the best in that kind of environment. I'm a hands-on kind of person and an in-the-trenches kind of person. So, but I'm always learning and reading and going to events. And and I, I guarantee you, even though I've never been to college, I guarantee you I have spent more money than a Harvard and Yale and Princeton graduate all combined. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And kind of just looking at your journey again, Larry, I mean, we have 30 years of experience we can talk about. So there are tons of things that we can kind of hone in on. I want to see how you got here. So let's really quickly cover what is your area of expertise today? And then we'll kind of continue down our timeline down the time machine. Well, there's basically two kinds of investing. There's real estate as a business. That's buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. And there's real estate as an investment, right? Real estate as a business, as I mentioned, is buy, sell. And what I do for that to generate cash, right, chunks of cash, is I do what I call real estate day trading. It's basically reverse wholesaling. And I actually wrote a book about it. It's called Getting Started in Real Estate Day Trading. And it's proven techniques for buying and selling houses the same day using the internet. It's available wherever books are sold. 
So I wrote that book and that's what I use. Basically, I've done deals in 12 different states right from my office in Lake Wiley, South Carolina, which is just over the state line from Charlotte, North Carolina. And then there's real estate as an investment. That's where you buy and hold long term. And what I use for that method is lease options and seller financing. So I love to hold properties. I like commercial properties, multifamily, a lot of different things. But you've got to have both. You've got to have chunks of cash to live on. Then you've got to have that long-term passive income for building wealth. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things to where you talk about two different streams of income. I mean, you talk about your more active stream and then you talk about your more passive stream. And, you know, many different people can relate to this story, whether or not their streams are similar. I mean, many employees in their space, they're using, you know, they're using their W-2 work income as their active income and pouring that in, into investments. Many coaches and consultants are using their, maybe they're teaching about real estate investing, their books, their, you know, they're speaking and they're using those active investments to pour into their passive streams. And then again, going back to some of the things that you, you're up to, I mean, you're using real estate, buy, sell, buy, sell to pour into your active, inv- I mean, into your passive investment. So I think that, you know, when it comes to the best way to go about creating generational wealth for not only ourselves, but our families is taking that active wealth, putting it into a passive bucket and allowing that passive bucket to grow. And we spend from that passive bucket. A lot of people where I see they mess up is that they take their active income and they go, they go uh, pay their, their mortgage. They go pay their, their car bills. They go, you know, take care of all their expenses and then whatever's left, they use that to invest. Yeah. You know, I think it's very, very important that number one, you've got to be doing what you want to do with your time, right? And people talk about, you know, about money. Well, money is just a tool. It's just a tool that gives you the freedom to spend your time the way you want to. For example, I'm sitting at home right now in my kitchen. We have a pretty large kitchen and I'm just sitting at home in the kitchen and I could go to work. I don't have to. Today is my son's birthday. He's 14 years old today. So he and I and uh, my wife, just went to lunch at his favorite pizza place. And, and I left there and, and came home and, and they went on, we drove separate cars and they went on to go uh, run some errands. But, you know, I wouldn't be able to do that if I had a, a J-O-B, right? But you've got to first create cash, chunks of cash, which basically allows you to eliminate your W-2 income, right? That's real estate as a business, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. Then as you start generating some cash, you pay off all your debt, then you have reserve income or or reserves, then you can start investing long-term to create that passive cash flow. Does that make sense? Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, uh, Larry, that makes perfect sense. And again, it's it's how we want to look at you know the scenario. It's how we want to look at the situation. And you you laid it out perfectly. So let's let's kind of get back in your journey and let's kind of progress down past that that first investment and maybe a few aha moments that you had along the way earlier on that kind of got you started down uh, the lease options and got you kind of started down the path that you're on as opposed to fixing and flipping and as opposed to maybe wholesaling. I mean, what were you doing earlier on and what did you see in maybe your market or what did you see in general? that, you know, you're like, this is the best vehicle for me? Well, you know, it's a great, great question. And I think number one, one of the things I coach and mentor people, we have a, we have a partner program and we work with people, you know, basically partner with them on deals, show them what to do and how to do it. And I tell people, look, there's so many ways to do deals and there's so many ways to find deals and you've got to pick what you like and what you want to do. Right. For example, 
there's a few things I hate about real estate, okay? Number one is short sales. I hate short sales. I don't want to do them. You can't make me. You can't make me, right? I call a short sell a long buy because it takes forever negotiating and working through and dealing with the banks and all that. So even though you can make a lot of money in short sales, I don't do short sales. There's so many other ways to do it. The second thing I don't do is rehabs, right? There's some people that love to do rehabs, right? They buy a property, fix it up. They go in and love doing the rehab, picking out the countertops, picking out the paint and everything. I hate that. I don't want to deal with contractors. I don't want to deal with delays. I don't want to deal with cost overruns. I hate it. And the third thing I hate is tenants. That's why I choose to do lease options and or seller financing because in lease options and seller financing, my tenants, even though they're still tenants on the lease option side anyway, they're what I call homeowners in training, right? They are, they are responsible for some of the repairs. They put up an option consideration as opposed to a deposit and they are homeowners in training. And if they pass and make their payments on time for at least 12 to 24 months, then I will sell or finance the property to them. But until then, they are just glorified tenants or what I call homeowners in training. So the first thing I think is you've got to find something that you love to do, right? I like the quick turn of the quick money, even though it's a smaller dollar amount. That's why I like the real estate day trading. Buy and sell a house the same day and make you know, $10,000, $20,000 or more. I've made as much as $75,000 in one day on one deal and I never touched it and I never had any more than $500 invested and nobody pulled my credit. I didn't have to qualify for a loan or anything. That's what I like as far as the quick money goes, but I'll be the first one to tell you, real estate is not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And beautifully said. And I think I, I just pulled out what I want to talk about during our, our strategy session later on. But, you know, my question for you right now is what's one of the best or maybe one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And this can be an investment of money. This can be an investment of time or energy. Wow. That's a great, great question. So as far as actual investments, I did wholesale a house one time in Pensacola, Florida, never saw it. I put up $500. We bought it for $700 and sold it for $775. Never touched it. I've owned Shoney's restaurants. I've owned Dollar General stores. I've owned the office building that I'm in. I've owned mobile home parks. So there's been a lot of investment, but I think the biggest investment that anyone could ever make is the six inches between their ears. I don't care if it's a college education or if it's the school of hard knocks or whether it's reading a book, going to a seminar, investing in a coaching or mentoring program or whatever, right? The most important investment you'll ever make is the six inches between your ears because that's one thing nobody can ever, ever, ever take away from you. And that's so important. I personally try to read a book every single week. Now, I don't always succeed but I do try to read a book every single week. Some weeks I read two books. Sometimes I read one or two a month, right? But I try to do it. I try to do it when I run. I run every morning three miles during the week, and I try to do it during that time frame. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful, Larry. I also follow those uh, same principles. I try to read a book a week as well, and it's it's crazy how how many, I mean, 
when you see the, the knowledge that you're able to acquire in such a short period of time uh, through books, it's, it's amazing. I don't see why, I don't understand why more, more and more people are not, are not you know, doing that. So maybe so let's- let me ask you a question. Yep. What book are you reading right now? I am reading a book called, and let me get you the whole name. It's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Have you heard of it before? Mm, I don't think I have. Yep, it's Is called it The Power. It's, uh, it's actually very, very good. It's by uh, Dr. Joseph Murphy. It's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. And it's That's a- great. Yeah. I love that. I love that stuff. I had a student today that reached out to me and said she finally figured out why she was not successful. She has a fear of success. She has a fear of success subconsciously, but she finally realized that was her problem. So yeah. now she can work on getting over the problem of having a fear of actually succeeding and she can push through that. But it is a real thing. There's some people that have a, have a mental block in exactly the value that they bring, you know, as far as an income like 30,000 a year or 60,000 a year or whatever. And when their income starts to go past that, they sabotage themselves even subconsciously to get back to the income level that they're most comfortable with. And it's sad, but it's true, but it's something people need to be aware of. Yep. Yep. Um, Larry, you're so right. You're hitting the hammer right on the nail. And it, it's crazy that, you know, we're not, I mean, people, when we look at income, many people have, you know, bad things to say about people who are looking to get wealthy and things of that nature. But when we look at income, I look at it as a value, as a measure of the value that you're putting out in the world. And when you talk about that exact scenario, it's, it's almost like you don't believe that you're worth or you're putting out enough value to go above the income level that you're achieving now. So that, so now you start to self-sabotage because you don't think you're worth it. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's get to the last five years, Larry. We've kind of traveled down your journey. We've, we've learned a little bit about you, but maybe in the last five years now, what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life? What new belief or behavior has most improved my life? One thing I have learned in the last five years is something that my mother-in-law taught me years ago, and she is not a business person. She passed away, but she was an awesome, awesome, awesome human being and uh, just such a great Christian woman. I mean, when there was something I needed really bad and I was praying really hard, I would pray that her prayers would be answered, right? That's how close she was, (laughs) right? And I'm a Christian, but that's how close she was. But she used to say, the best fertilizer in an orange grove, and she was from Florida. So she would say the best fertilizer in an orange grove is the footsteps of the owner. And what she means by that is, yes, if you have a business, you can have other people working in your business, but you have to have your finger on the pulse. You have to know what's going on. And a few years ago, I took my finger off the pulse and I had other people working in my business and running my business. And I got out of the the uh, processes and procedures and SOPs, standard operating procedures. And I got out of that. And then I had some of the wrong people in the business and I had to start over a while back. And it's been a, a journey, but now I realize I need to make sure that I am walking the fields every day and I know exactly what's going on in, in my business. I don't have to do everything in my business myself. I can bring in other people, but, but I need to have my finger on the pulse. And I think the second thing that I have learned is 
there's two ways you can go in business, whether it's real estate or any other business. You can keep it small and keep it all, or you can grow and scale. But remember, as you grow and scale, your expenses are going to be exponentially higher, right, than they are now in regards to your income. In other words, if, you, if right now if you're bringing in a half a million dollars a year, let's say your expenses are $100,000, right, or 20%. So you're netting four hundred. But if you grow that business to a million dollars a year, your expenses might be 300000 or 30%, right? So your expenses grow exponentially. They don't grow at the same rate as your income coming in. So that's one thing you have to keep in mind. Keep it small and keep it all, or you have to make sure you keep your expenses in line because it's not a matter of if, but when there's going to be a downturn. Because another thing is trees don't grow to the sky. There's up markets and there's down markets. And that's very important to remember that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I love that. Those were beautiful, beautiful kind of mantras to live by. And that's in the same, you know, in the same breath in the past five years, again, what maybe, you know, this is a lifestyle design podcast. So what, what have you become better at saying no to maybe distractions, invitations, et cetera. And um, maybe what new realizations or approaches have kind of helped you at achieving that, like saying no to more things. Well, I think the most important thing is I'm going to relate it to a couple of different books. Uh, One book is called The One Thing by Gary Keller, right? And it's all about what is the one thing that can push or grow your business. What's the one product? What's the one, whatever it is you want to do, what's the one thing you can do to increase your income, reduce your expenses and have more time. So that's something that I've learned over the last couple of years. We used to have a lot of different products, a lot of books. We were doing a lot of different funnels and campaigns for our education business because we have books and courses, home study courses, webinars, all that stuff. I've just narrowed it down to where right now I only do one thing. I partner with people. When I find somebody that is serious about wanting to work in real estate, wanting to learn what to do, I'll partner with them. Yeah, it's not cheap but I'm partnering with them and they're going to get their money back and, you know, through deals that we're going to do and I'm going to personally help them one-on-one. So it's the one thing. The other book I want to talk about is a book called The Pumpkin Plan. You've probably read that. That's a great book that really, it's an analogy about how people grow prize-winning pumpkins. They find, they pick that one pumpkin on the vine and they nurture it and help it grow and focus only on it and they get rid of all the other pumpkins on the vine so that all of their energy in that plant can go toward that one pumpkin that's gonna grow to become a prize-winning pumpkin. And that's very similar to The One Thing by Gary Keller. So I would say being able to focus and narrow down on what is the one thing that you can do to increase your income and enjoy life more and reduce your expenses and be able to spend your time the way you want to spend it. Does that make sense? I love it. I love it so much, Larry. And you wrapped that up perfectly. Now let's kind of transition a little bit. And we can talk about a lot of things here, Larry, which is something that I love. But, you know, we we think about some of your areas of expertise. And of course, we could talk about seller financing. And of course, we can talk about lease options. But those have been covered quite a few times on this podcast now. But I want to talk about what has never been covered on this podcast and kind of give a brief introduction to maybe what 
real estate day trading is and how somebody who's just now catching wind of that can maybe get involved. So let's maybe start with what it is and how you started in real estate day trading. Sure, sure. Really, the way I got started in, in real estate day trading, in fact, I was, I was doing virtual real estate before they came up with the term virtual real estate. I used to put out a bunch of signs. This is years ago, the I buy houses sign. And there was a lady driving through town. She saw my sign. She called up. She said, I have a house. And it was like three hours away from me, right? So she said, I have this house. I'll take $15,000 for it. And it had a tenant in it paying like two fifty dollars or three hundred dollars a month, right? Little brick mm-hmm. ranch, one three-bedroom, one-bath house. So I just made her an offer over the phone. And I'm a firm believer if you're not embarrassed by your offer, it's too high. So I made her an offer of 2,500 bucks. I mean, can you believe it? She's asking 15,000. I I offered her, you know, less than 20% of her offer. So a few days later, she called me back and she said, Larry, I need some money and I need it now. If you can give me $3,000, I'll take it. So this was years ago. So there were no like taking digital pictures and email them to me. She went and got a disposable camera. She sent it to the tenants. The tenants took pictures of the house inside and out. They sent the camera to me. I had to go over to CVS and have that little camera uh, developed. And I got the pictures of the house. It was livable. I mean, even the sink, the, even the sink was clean with no dirty dishes in it. I couldn't believe it. Right. Wow. <laughs> so then I started marketing that property and I found somebody, I found a local realtor that wanted to give me $15,000 for it. Right. Because I said, I'll, I have this house, it's rented out for, I think it was two fifty dollars mo- a month, like 3000 a year. So I said, I'll take 15000 for it and I'll pay a $3,000 real estate commission. And this realtor emailed me back and he said, hey, for $12,000, I'll just buy it myself. So a couple of days later, I get a FedEx from an attorney with a bunch of papers to sign and a return FedEx envelope, I sent it back. Within two days, I had a check in my hand for $12,000. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, I just bought this house, I sold this house, never met the seller, never met the tenant, never met the buyer, never talked to the buyer on the phone. I did all my business, phone, fax, FedEx, email, and internet. I said, I gotta figure out how to do this again. And so far, I've done it in 12 different states, and we have students all over the country, even around the world, in the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, China, Israel, the Philippines, Ireland, Chile, Denmark, that are doing it from their own location, buying and selling houses, day trading real estate in the U.S. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a very, very fascinating business model. And again, it's one of those things to where... Are you, and now that you've done it, I mean, that was like maybe your first time doing it. Are things a little bit more streamlined these days? Like how how does that picture look now? So when you, maybe let's sum up what real estate day trading is today and maybe a sentence or two. What what is it overall? And then we'll kind of dive into some specifics. Sure, sure. Well, back then we used to use phone, fax, FedEx, email, and internet. Now we use the phone, we use email, we use DocuSign, And we don't have to worry about, you know, faxing or FedExing or anything. Everything's done via DocuSign, email, and the phone now. So we don't have to worry about that. And there's a lot more tools out there. There's apps like LandGlide that will tell you who owns a property and how much they paid for it. There's Zillow for comps. There's RealQuest for comps. There's so many different tools out there now that there's no reason in the world a person cannot 
virtual day trade real estate no, from no matter where they are. Got it. Got it. So let's start from maybe the inception of like somebody new looking to start day trading. And, you know, there's a, I guess, like you said, there's, there are websites in which you can find these, these properties and what type of properties are people looking for to be able to make the type of offers that you guys need to make to be able to day trade? That's a really good point. We buy properties from multiple sources. I am a firm believer. I'd rather have 10 ways to find one house than only one way to find 10, right? In fact, we do HUD. I wrote a book about HUD called HUD Homes Half Off, How to Buy HUD Houses for Pennies on the Dollar. We just day traded a house a couple of weeks ago where it was listed for 262000 and we put in a bid on it with HUD and got it for $133,000, and we day traded it for 150000 to a fix and flip investor. So that was pretty cool. So you can definitely get, get HUD houses uh, although there's not as many of them as there used to be, it's still a great, great source to buy properties for pennies on the dollar. And, and like I said, I wrote that book about it and uh, it's also available on our website or wherever books are sold. Let me ask you this really quickly. Why not just wholesale? That's what day trading is. It's reverse wholesaling where you have your buyers lined up in advance. And then as soon as you get a crop property under contract, then what you do is you turn around and send it out to your buyers list and you find a buyer ready to buy it. Okay, so you're not, you're not actually closing on the property. Well, we're, if it's a HUD house, you have to close on the property because HUD does not allow assignments. But if it's not a HUD house, if it's a, a direct-to-seller deal, like we use direct mail. In fact, yesterday our phone rang 303 times from direct mail leads. Today it's already been over 110 times our phone has rang with people calling in. Now, not all of those are going to end up being leads, right? Some of them are suspects and some of them will end up being prospects. But just yesterday, my guys were able to set up three in-home appointments to go out and visit homes and make offers on properties, which is pretty cool. So, you know, you have to make the phone ring and generate leads because we're in a seller's market right now. There's a lot more buyers than there are properties. So you've got to market for the off-market properties. And, and some of the ways we do that is through direct mail, through telemarketing, and through Facebook marketing and bandit signs. Those are the primary ways we market to find deals. There are a lot of similarities with wholesaling. I'm still trying to pick apart the differences. Somebody that wanted to get started, how long would it take them to get up and running? Well, quite frankly, day trading real estate or wholesaling is the quickest way for someone to get started, okay? It actually is the quickest way for, get, for someone to get started. But the key is you've got to be able to spend some money on marketing. You have to make the phone ring for unadvertised properties. That is the key right there. You've got to make the phone ring because remember, without leads, you have no one to sell and we're selling the seller right? So wholesaling is the quickest way. The second quickest way, in my opinion, is the lease option or seller financing type deals, right? So you got to make the phone ring. You can also do HUD houses. HUD is a great source as well, but there's not as many of them as there used to be. So right now we're actually bidding on HUD houses in the whole state of North Carolina and South Carolina. And of the 14 or 15 deals we have on the board right now, I think six or seven of them are actually HUD. Mm, that makes sense. And when you talk about the properties that you guys are sending out direct mailers to and you guys are marketing to, is there a different 
subset of like, are there different subsets of types of properties that you guys are looking for, for the lease options and owner financing deals, as opposed to the wholesales? Or are you kind of just, you you know, I guess, marketing to the same properties, and then you're molding the uh, situation, or you're, you're looking at the situation, or you're molding the actual business plan according to how, uh, what's the best use for that situation? Yeah, the basically, we want to have as many tools in our toolbox as we can, meaning as many different models, whether it's wholesaling or lease option or seller financing. So when a property comes available and we're trying to negotiate with the seller or figure out how to make the deal work, for example, you might have a seller that the after repaired value is 100,000 and maybe it needs 10,000 in work, but you need to pick it up for around 60,000. So if, if you need to pick it up for around 60,000, but that seller says, I'm not going to take a penny less than 90. Not going to take a penny less than 90,000. Well, most people might say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Best thing you can do is call a realtor and put it on the MLS. But what if you just simply asked, well, what if I could give you the 90,000 if you financed it for me? Yeah. Or you did a lease option. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So as long as you're able to, to structure the deal, you either need one of two things. You need a good cash price or you need good terms. So I could either buy that house for 60,000 cash or what if they financed all 90,000 for me with no interest, right? Or they even did a lease option for me. I could do a sandwich lease option or wholesale that lease option or whatever I needed to do. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Lessons from the Richest Man Who Ever Lived by Stephen K. Scott. Ooh, what's that about? It's all about the book of Proverbs. It's not a Christian book, although it's based on the book of Proverbs in the Bible, but it's just all about how to deal with people personally, personal relationships, business relationships. It is a business book, but it is based on the book of Proverbs and it's called Lessons from the Richest Man Who Ever Lived by Stephen K. Scott. Love it. Excluding DocuSign, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. My favorite app, let me pick up my smartphone. (laughs) A smartphone is one with an apple on the back of it, by the way. (laughs) I love Deal Machine. Deal Machine is an app where you can be driving for dollars. You pull up to a house or if you just have an address, you can do this too. But let's say you pull up to a house and it's a vacant house. You can pull up to that house or put in the address of a vacant house. You can find out who owns it. It'll search the internet for their address. It'll search the internet for their phone number. It'll try to find their email address. You can click a button and send them a postcard, or you can click a button and call them right from the app. Love it, love it. And what was the name of that app again? Deal Machine. That sounds like a deal machine. So that app would definitely be in the show notes, listeners. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I think it gives me time to have balance. That's something I had done wrong for so long. I was all about work and I was working all the time. Don't get me wrong, I love work, I love to stay busy, but you have to have balance. So now every morning, 
I get up and I run three miles Monday through Friday if I can. Occasionally I miss miss a day, but for the most part I run five days a week. And uh, I also get on my Harley and ride every once in a while. We live on the lake, so like today for my son's birthday, I got him a new fishing rod and we're gonna go fishing and, and hang out and do some of that. And so I just like being able to, to spend my time the way I want to and not have to worry about business all the time. Don't get me wrong, in the beginning, you gotta work hard. It's like an airplane taking off. You can't take off at half throttle. You gotta take off at full throttle, but you want to be working toward an end goal where you can start backing off and enjoying the fruits of your labor. And it's very, very, very important that even before you start in business, you create what's called a personal vision. What do you want your life to look like in the future, right? And you've got to have that personal vision so you're not just working 24 seven all the time and you don't know why you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful advice. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I had to spend a lot of time away from my family and I do regret that. I was traveling a lot and uh, working away from home a lot. So uh, I do regret that, but my family always knew that I was doing it for them. And now I'm able to spend more time with them and hang out with them and do the things that I want to do, which is a beautiful thing. So, so is it a regret or is it a sacrifice? I think you still need to have balance and you still need to be there for your kids, you know, ball games and recitals and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And so if I had it to do over again, I would do it a little bit different. I don't think it would change my lifestyle the way it is right now any, but I think I would have more memories with my kids and they would have more with me and I would just have done things a little bit different. That's, that's what wisdom, wisdom, that's that's wisdom. wisdom is all about. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's wisdom. <laughs> you learn from your experiences. Listen, I, I know people, even myself, I've gone through some some tough things every once in a while. Everybody, everybody does, right? I think you look back on it and you learn from it. And if you don't learn from your mistakes, there was no point in going through them. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Well, I learned a lot from my dad, although my dad passed away in 1986 when I was in my 20s. I learned a lot from my dad. He was a typical, you ever see the show, The Andy Griffith Show? That was, my, <laughs> that was my dad right there, right? Oh, wow. Always, always teaching a lesson and everything and spending time with me and stuff. And my mom, my mom was my biggest fan. She passed away a couple of years ago. And, you know, you hear about kids that have a tattoo that say mom on it. If my mom had a tattoo, it would have said son because uh, she was my biggest fan. She always wanted the very first copy of every book I wrote. And she would get on webinars and teleconferences and hear me. She would go hear me speak and teach and come to events and stuff. So she was a big influence. And also my father-in-law, who is a very, very, very successful investor. He's done, you know, multi-million dollar oceanfront condo developments and he's very successful. And I never make a big investment decision without talking to him because he's very sharp. So I've learned a lot from all of them, as well as many, many other people as well. You know, Jim Rohn, I used to follow Jim Rohn a lot. You know, he passed away, I think in 2009, but you know, he was known as the father of philosophy. 
and he had a lot of great wisdom and just each and every book. I mean, I've got journals and journals full of notes that I've taken from books. And Jim Rohn used to say, you know, don't leave behind, you know, a bunch of furniture and stuff for your kids. Leave behind journals, leave behind good information, leave behind a legacy that they could could grow from and they'll learn from not just a bunch of furniture, you know, and stuff for, you know, <laughs> so I've got journals that I'm, I hope when I'm gone, my kids will go through it and look at it and if they can read my writing and, and glean some good information that they can use in their life. And I hope I'm living it for them every day. Boom. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? Well, because number one, life happens. We only have 24 hours in the day. So number one, life happens. And number two, most people have a limiting belief. If they're not associated with and see it every day, and they're around people who are very successful and making a lot of money, then they don't really believe that they can. And number two, they don't believe that they deserve it. We talked about this early on. And they've got to get past that what's called a limiting belief, right? So many people have a limiting belief and they don't believe that they can do it. They've just got to get past that and they've got to fake it till they make it, right? That's one thing you have to do. You have to fake it till you make it. Yeah, I love that. And let me add a piggyback question on, on top of that. So what advice would you have to, for somebody who, you know, you say they got to get past it, but the first question that I think a listener would have is how do I get past it? What are maybe some things that you do or that you've, you've taught others to do to get kind of get past that limiting belief? Stop associating with negative friends and relatives. And Zig Ziglar used to say, share your give up goals, keep your go up goals to yourself. What he meant by that was if you're planning on giving up smoking or giving up drinking or giving up partying, then share that with other people. They'll help encourage you. But if you're sharing your go up goals, like I want to be a millionaire, I want to buy multifamily apartments, I want to flip houses. If you're sharing that with your negative friends and relatives, all they're going to do is pull you back down to their level. So don't share that stuff with people who are going to be negative in your life and get around people that are positive and will give you a positive influence. I mean, I, I have people that even come to my events and, you know, they have a negative naysayer relative that tells them before they left home, you know, what are you going to another get rich quick seminar? You know, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. And I had a student one time, his, now sometimes it's a wife, sometimes it's a husband, it's just different, but this time it happened to be a wife that was so negative Every time he talked about real estate or talked about a deal, you're never going to do anything. This is just another one of those get rich quick things. Is this another multi-level thing or this or that? You've never done anything to make any money. Then one day he, he called me up. He was so fired up. I walked him through and helped him close his first deal. And he put a check for $15,000 in his pocket. And the first thing I said was, what did your wife say? He said, you think I'm going to tell her about that check? <laughs> <laughs> but there is only one thing that will shut up a naysayer, and that is a check. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. That, that's a beautiful story. I love that. I'm glad we, we were able to end with that. So, so Larry, if the listeners kind of want to get to know you, get a hold of you, ask you a question or two, where can they go to find some of your information? 
Sure, sure. The best way to go, best place to go probably is to LarryGoins.com. On that website, there'll be links to our podcast. We actually have two podcasts. One is called Brain Pick a Pro. And the other one is where we interview other guests, kind of like you're doing with me now. And the other one is called Brag Radio Network. It is all about being rich and generous. We teach people to invest in real estate and encourage them to be generous and go help others with their blessings. And as well, they can get a free copy of my HUD book, HUD Homes Half Off, and also sign up for other free tools and training on that website as well. LarryGoins.com, G-O-I-N-S. Love it, love it, love it. Well, again, Larry, thank you for being on the show. We had such an amazing time, and it's one of those episodes to where I have to go back and listen to it a few more times. So again, thank you for everything that you do, and we'll talk to you very soon. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit to work with the Before the Millions team, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. That's beforethemillions.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what is your cash flow goal? How much are you looking to make every month? Number two, your personalized investing strategy. And number three, the best way to get started using cash flowing rental real estate. Remember, starting and scaling your real estate investments and business doesn't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We've helped clients all over the world start and scale their investing efforts to six figures and beyond while enjoying life and making the world a better place. To find out if we can help you do the same, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash call. I'm Dorel Lallier, and let's talk soon.